And we are back. Welcome back to the Depressed Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse Mapati, and I want to wish all of you guys, all of you guys, a merry, merry, merry Christmas. I can't believe Christmas is here. It feels like Thanksgiving was a week ago, and now we're Christmas, and 2021 is about to end. Crazy. All right. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. The first place in the AFC North, Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to talk a little Cincinnati Bearcats men's basketball. And also, can't forget the Cincinnati Bearcats football team as they release, what is, what is it? Today is Thursday, December 23rd. We're exactly eight days away from the Bearcats and Alabama college football playoff semifinal matchup. I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm saying that. I can't believe the Bearcats are in a college football playoff. Let's hope they play. I'll get to that later. Now, let's talk about the Bengals first, all right? The Bengals are coming off a 15-10 win at Denver against the Broncos last Sunday. I'll be honest, guys. That game was a snoozer. Like, I was dozing off because, whew, that game. If you're a, de- a defensive guy or gal, this was the game because defense ruled today. Both offenses was non-existent in the first half. Second half, there was there was fireworks, but it was in quick splashes. So I don't care. A win's a win. The Bengals are now eight and six on the season. And I said in the beginning, the first place in the AFC North Cincinnati Bengals. Currently the Bengals are the fourth seed in the wild AFC. This my gosh, the AFC is just so wild. Like every team week out they're just beating each other up. So right now, as we stand, December 23rd, 2021, the Cincinnati Bengals are the fourth seed in the AFC, and the Bengals are first place in the AFC North. If you had told me back in August that the Bengals were going to be 8-6, and six, first place in the division, with three games left, two of them at home, I would have taken that and say, yes, hell yes. So as of now, the Bengals control their own destiny. Let's see if they can capitalize on that. All right, so here's my highs from the win against the Broncos on Sunday. The Bengals' defense, and like I said, both teams, Denver and Cincinnati, defense ruled the day. But the Bengals' defense was great against Denver on Sunday, holding the Broncos' offense to 292 total yards of offense. Jermaine Pratt, linebacker, had 15 total tackles in the game. Pratt has been such a godsaver because Logan Wilson's out with a shoulder injury. We don't know if he's going to return to the season, but Jermaine Pratt, such an underrated linebacker, and the Bengals are so lucky to have him. Knock on wood, he stays healthy throughout the rest of the season because he's been a big help to the defense. Trey Hendrickson, yes, Trey Hendrickson, the biggest offseason signing, a home run offseason signing for the Bengals. He had another sack in this game. That's 10 straight games with a sack for Trey. Wow. I think he's over. I think he's underpaid because... He should get more money because I knew Trey was good while watching film on him, playing with the New Orleans Saints, but I didn't expect this in his first season at the Cincinnati Bengal. So Trey Anderson, just amazing. What a home run signing by Duke Tobin and company. Larry Ojanobi had a great game. He had one sack, I'm sorry, one and a half sack, and Marcus Bailey had a sack too as well. So Larry Ojanobi has been a great pickup for the Bengals. So the Bengals' offseason additions have just worked out perfectly, especially on defense. And Evan McPherson, you know, the fifth the fifth 
round pick out of Florida. Everybody was saying, well, we're drafting a kicker. Well, there's a reason why we drafted Evan McPherson because have you seen our kickers in the past? Most recent, Randy Fat, Randy Bullock. Evan McPherson hit a 58-yard field goal to end the first half last Sunday in Denver. Franchise record. That's why we drafted him for a reason. So Evan McPherson is such a weapon. And I'm so glad he's with the Bengals. And I'm so glad we drafted him. Because we needed a kicker. And he's just another weapon to the offense. Tyler Boyd had a great game. Five receptions for 96 yards and a touchdown. The go-ahead touchdown. 56 yards. Towards the end of the third quarter when the Bengals were down 10-9. And then Joe Burrow and offense came back. After Denver scored the first touchdown possession by either side in the game. Three plays later. Burrow to Boyd, 56 yards, go-ahead touchdown, and the game-winning touchdown. So, Tyler Boyd is so underrated. Just one of the most underrated receivers in the league. He's been there through the worst with this franchise, and he deserves this moment. He deserves a playoff opportunity to get to the playoffs and win a playoff game because Tyler Boyd is just, he's so reliable. So, good for Tyler Boyd. I was glad that he had a big game last Sunday. Khalid Kareem, he had the play of the game on both sides. He had a forced fumble on Drew Locke. So this happened, I'll say, beginning of the fourth quarter. Denver's driving. I'm thinking to myself, oh boy, they're going to score and we're going to lose this game. Because for some reason, I always think negative. And then, second and goal. I don't know why Denver's head coach called an option play for Drew Locke to run into the end zone. But they called option play. Kareem literally just snatched that ball out of Drew Locke's hand, returned it, and then as he was going towards the sidelines, he fumbled it, and then the Broncos recover it, and I threw my pillow, and I was like, what the hell? Are you kidding me? It's such a Cincinnati thing that happened where we get the turnover, and then we give it back. But thankfully, the referee said when... When Kareem recovered the fumble, he was already down by contact because Drew Luck touched him. So, thank you. The rest were so bad in this game, but they got that call right. Thank God. Whew. But Khalid Kareem has been great. Unfortunately, he left the game during that play with a concussion. But look, it looks like he will play on Sunday. So, that was big. And we can't forget about QB1 Joe Burrow, who played a relatively clean game. He was 15 for 22. For 157 passing yards, one touchdown, no picks. He ran the ball. Five carries for 25 yards. He had two runs. And one run was critical on a third on a third down run he had in the second half. So Joe Burrow showed his athleticism. And when he was running the ball, his he looked he looked good. That knee looked good. But I always worry when he slides the football though when he runs. I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, just slide, Joe. And that it's just that knee. He's literally a year removed from tearing his ACL and MCL. And when he runs the football, it looks good. It looks good. So Joe Burrow's performance against Denver on Sunday was basically the performance he had against the Las Vegas Raiders a month ago. Where he didn't have to throw for 300 yards. He just played it clean. Made the, the right play. Right, made the right throws. And it was just you, just, you just, you need to win that game type of games. Now, obviously... 
the game against 49ers, when you're trailing by 14 points, obviously your quarterback is going to be throwing the ball, and that's what he did. But in this type of game where Denver is such a great defense, you have to play clean, run the football, short passes, don't force the deep. So great game plan all around by Joe Burrow. So like I said in the beginning, the Bengals are in first place in the AFC North. Right now the Bengals are 8-6. and six. The Ravens are in second. They're eight and six. The reason why the Bengals are in first place because over the Ravens is because the Bengals beat the Ravens two months ago in Baltimore handily, forty-one seventeen. Then the Steelers are in third place. They're seven and six and one. For some reason, that team won't go away. And then the Cleveland Browns, who was having a lot of COVID nineteen issues, they're in last place. They're seven and seven, but they're still in it as well. So. The Bengals have a huge, huge, huge game this Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens, 1 p.m. on CBS. That game will be at Paul Brown Stadium. And I'm saying that this is the biggest regular season home game since 2015. The Bengals have to win these type of high magnitude games in order for them to be taken serious in the AFC. The time is now. You have to win these type of games. This team, where they're at right now, it's a good football team. I believe this team is a playoff team. These are the games you have to win. And I know, for some reason, this Bengals team is 5-2 and two on the road. But they're very average at home. They're 3-4. and four. This is a game the Bengals have to win. And I know the Ravens don't have Lamar Jackson. But Huntley, Tyler Huntley, Yeah, their backup quarterback played really well against the Green Bay Packers last Sunday and almost beat the Packers. So I don't care who the quarterback is for the Ravens on Sunday, whether it's Jackson or Huntley, Bengals better be prepared because not only the Ravens want to win this game, but they want payback because, like I said, the Bengals beat the shit out of the Ravens in Baltimore in the first meeting, 41-17. to 17. So the Ravens want revenge. And this is going to be, whew, it's going to be an intense game. Bengals-Ravens matchups are always intense, especially in Cincinnati. So everything's on the line for the Bengals. They have to win this game. You have to win this game. Now, I was online looking at playoff scenarios from people and... The Bengals have three games left, okay? You got Baltimore on Sunday. You got Kansas City on January 2nd. And then the last game of the season, you have the Cleveland Browns. So you got Ravens at home, Chiefs at home, Browns on the road. So here are the last three games playoff scenario for the Bengals. Okay, you guys ready? All right. You win all, you win all these three games, playoff odds are 100%. The Bengals are in. Before, okay, so... Remember the podcast I had when I went through the schedule and predict each game and I said the Bengals are going to finish the season at 11 and 6. Well, right now the Bengals are at 8 and 6. So, for my prediction to be right, the Bengals have to win out. Can they do that? They're capable. I believe they can beat the Ravens. Can they beat the Chiefs? Maybe. Can they win in Cleveland? Yes, but for some reason the Bengals Always struggle against the Browns. So, this team is capable of winning all three games. And if they do, 
And I look like a genius. So let's hope that happens. <laughs> now, if they win two out of three, say if they beat the Ravens and the Chiefs and lose to the Browns, the Bengals playoff odds at a 98%. So that's, you're in if you win two out of three. Now, the Bengals beat the Ravens, but lose to the Browns and the Chiefs. Their playoff odds are still at 99%. And I'll tell you why. Because in that scenario, the Steelers still win the division if they win out. But the Bengals still have an 88% shot at the wild card in this scenario. So, they beat Baltimore, lose to the Browns and the Chiefs. Say the Steelers win the division if they win out, the Bengals still can make the wild card spot. Next scenario. If they beat the Ravens and lose to the Chiefs and the Browns, and say if the Steelers don't win out, then the Bengals' playoff odds go to 30%. So say if the Bengals lose to the Ravens and they beat the Chiefs and the Browns, the Bengals' playoff odds go to 95%. Now if you lose to the Ravens and the Browns and beat Kansas City, playoff odds go to 13%. If you lose to the Ravens and the Chiefs and beat Cleveland, playoff odds are at 30%. You lose all three, death. It's over. So if you ask me which scenario is more likely to happen, I believe is the two out of three. You beat Baltimore, you beat Cleveland, you lose to Kansas City. I believe that's the most realistic odds for the Bengals. You have to beat Baltimore. And if you beat Kansas City, you're in the playoffs. That Cleveland game could decide where the Bengals are going to be at. Well, yeah, I think, hold on, hold on. So they beat the Ravens and the Chiefs and save the Browns and Steelers lose their games. And the Bengals can clinch the AFC North if they beat the Ravens and the Chiefs and they get help from other teams to beat Cleveland and Pittsburgh. The Bengals can clinch the AFC North against the Chiefs if they win. But first, they have to beat the Ravens. So, it's a lot of scenarios. Wrap that into your head, Bengal fans. This team is in great position. They control their own destiny. Let's see if they can capitalize on it. Let's see. Now, I got a few notes to talk to you about this team. Talked about Khalid Kareem. But we didn't talk about Eli Apple, who made a big play against Denver on Sunday. Huge momentum stop plays. The Broncos, so Teddy Bridgewater, who unfortunately got hurt in the game, hurt his head. He had, he had to be taken off a stretcher. Thankfully, he's okay, so that's good news. But Teddy Bridgewater threw a nice pass, and it looked like Denver was going to score. It looked like the receiver was going to catch that for a touchdown. And the last minute, Eli Apple battled that ball down. That was big. That was big. Now, I know people are very up and down with Eli Apple. But Eli Apple was brought in to be the deaf player. But right now, he's the starter. Pretty much hold the whole season has been the starter. And he's definitely exceeded expectations so far. So, good for Eli Apple. One thing I want Eli Apple to do, though, is stop talking. Because he does run his mouth when he makes a good play. And I'm like, sir, you're going to cost this team 15 yards for being stupid. So we don't want no unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. 
Just do your thing. You don't have to talk. And also, Homeboy has been talking on Twitter, especially after the win against Denver on Sunday. Eli, I get it. You're playing well this year. You you, You deserve it. You don't need to talk. Because there'll be times during the season where you have gotten beat and have gotten showed out. So, I understand this is football emotions. They get the best of them. I understand that. But just you just have to keep your composure. Please. Talked about Trey Henderson. In this game last Sunday, he was held in every snap. Every snap. Like, literally. I, I, I kept saying, I'm like, he's hold, holding, holding. They're holding Trey. Holding Trey. Holding Trey. Oh, that's another hold on Trey. Ah, hold a hold. Golly. But... Like I said, the fishing crew last Sunday was absolutely atrocious. So, I'm sorry, Trey. But I did talk about earlier the Bengals offseason additions. So, Trey Hendrickson, right? 13 sacks this year. Jamar Chase, 1,083 receiving yards. Chinadu Awuzi, who didn't play because he was in the COVID-19 protocol. He has a pro football focus grade of 80.2. Cornerback Mike Hilton. Has a pro football focus grade of 74.2. Larry Ojanovi has eight sacks. BJ Hill has five and a half sacks. Evan McPherson has nine 50 plus yard field goals. And Eli Apple's playing really good. Those are your offseason additions by the Bengals. Has definitely worked out. So shout out to Duke Tobin. Last year, the Bengals only had 17 total sacks. A combined Trey Hendrickson, Larry Ojanobi, B.J. Hill. They have combined this season for 26 and a half sacks. Remarkable. Just, just incredible. And also, the Pro Bowlers came out yesterday for both the AFC and NFC. The Bengals have three Pro Bowlers. So congratulations to rookie Jamar Chase. Congratulations to Trey Hendrickson. Congratulations to Joe Mixon. Your three Bengals. Pro Bowlers. Chase leads the AFC in receiving touchdowns, and he is second in yards. Trey Hendrickson is top 10 in the league in sacks. Mixon, another 1,000-yard rushing season and one of the best running backs in the AFC. So congratulations to those three. They well-deserve, well-deserve honor as Pro Bowlers. And also, we got three games left for these three Bengals wide receivers on the team to reach 1,000 yards for the season. Jamar Chase has already eclipsed that. T. Higgins needs 165 yards of receiving to eclipse 1,000, and Tyler Boyd needs 293 yards to eclipse 1,000. So those three tandem, one of the best. Everybody always asks Pro Bowl snubs. Well, the Bengals, there was one snub that I had a problem with. Defensive tackle D.J. Reader. He was not even listed among the team's alternates. Definitely one of the best players on the Bengals and one of the best in the league at his position. So I was very surprised he wasn't even an alternate. So that was criminal. DJ Reader has been such a great addition from the for the Bengals. He is such a monster. And I know a lot of people don't really talk about him, but he is literally one of the best defensive tackles in the league. But since he played in Cincinnati, nobody really knows that. So he should have been at least a Pro Bowl alternate. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, in the game last Sunday against Denver, Tyler Boyd, his 56-yard touchdown catch, 
stands as the Bengals' 2,000 touchdown in history. So that's a that was a nugget that I got from the internet. I was like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. So Tyler Boyd's touchdown catch, the 2,000 touchdown in Bengals franchise history. So that was pretty cool. Now the AFC's Pro Bowl quarterbacks. Okay, you got Justin Herbert. Of the Los Angeles Chargers. You have Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. You got Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. Listen, those three are really great at their position. The one player I don't understand that's in the Pro Bowl is Lamar Jackson. And I'm not even hating on Lamar. Lamar is great. Without Lamar Jackson, I don't think the Ravens are what the Ravens are right now. So... I think Joe Burrow should have made the Pro Bowl, and I'm not being biased. The facts and the stats prove it to itself. Like, pro football focus, the most 15-plus yard touchdown passes in the league. Joe Burrow has 17. Justin Herbert has 12. Highest graded quarterback so far this year. Pro football focus, Joe Burrow. Big time throws over last 11 weeks. Joe Burrow of 11. Just saying, just saying. I'm not even being biased. Those are just stats for your ass. At least Joe Burrow should have been at least an alternate. So I don't do the AFC, NFC Pro Bowling voting. I think that I think that shit's just whack when it comes to deciding who gets to go to Pro Bowl. I'm not a big fan of Pro Bowl, but I think Joe Burrow and DJ Reader should at least been alternates on AFC side. But I don't make those rules. All right, so Bengals have a big game on Sunday against the Ravens. Like I said, 1 o'clock on CBS at Pro Brown Stadium. I know there's holidays. I know it's Christmas. Christmas is on a Saturday. Everyone's with their families, holiday festivities, blah, 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 blah. But it's supposed to be 58 degrees on Sunday. And tickets for the games right around 55 bucks. Just get your ass to Pro Brown Stadium. Like, I was at the 49ers game two weeks ago. There was a lot of empty seats at PBS, and I was very disappointed. And then, a week before the ga- before that game, the Bengals were playing the Los Angeles Chargers, and there was empty seats in that stadium, too. Bengals fans, listen. I know. This team loves to get our hopes up, but this team is different. This team... I believe, is well-equipped to handle the big moments. I hope. They got three games left, and they control their own destiny. You got two games at home. Big games. Show up. Paul Brown Stadium needs to be packed on Sunday. I don't see that happening with the holiday season, but if you got nothing going on on Sunday with the family, go to Paul Brown Stadium. And especially the, the Kansas City Chiefs game. On the 2nd of January, PBS better be sold out because I know the Chiefs fans, they travel well. Bengal fans, you better you better show out on that game too. So this team has opportunity. If they win these next two games, two of three, realistically, then they can host a home playoff game. This team is a year or two ahead of schedule and they control their own destiny. I did not expect this. But 
beginning of the season, I said this team was going to be 11 and 6. So that was just a fan of me thinking, oh, it's a new day. And I think it is a new day. And I'll give Zach Taylor credit. Yes, the Bengals head coach, who still frustrates me a lot. I still don't think he's the guy, as I said numerous times on this podcast. So, who day? Who day? Who day? All right. Switching topics now to the Cincinnati Bearcats men's basketball team. Bearcats men's basketball team finishes the non-conference play at 10-3. and Wes Miller, head coach, his first season in the helm. Here's what I take from this team right now, okay? It's a rebuilding process. It's Wes's first year. This team is not perfect. It has a lot of flaws. But what I get from this team is that they play together, they play hard, and they try. It's not the most talented team, but they're gonna give it your they're gonna give it their all. Now, they have a lot of bigs in this team, the Bearcats do with Abdul Aldu, Victor Lockin, Hayden Koval, Jared Hensley. They got bigs. But for some reason, the bigs on this team is they're it's they're it's bad. <laughs> and I'm trying to be nice, but it's it's not good. Especially these last couple of games, watching the bigs, trying to rebound the basketball. It's like, come on now. You're at least over 6, 9, and you're letting dudes from the other side that are obviously shorter box you out and get the rebound and also drive the ball over you for a layup. Unacceptable. And this team... Cannot rebound the ball to save their lives. And Wes Miller is very adamant at that, especially after the game, talking to the media that this team needs to be better at rebounding, especially as we head into conference play. They got to be better at rebounding. Right now, can this team win 10 games in the American Athletic Conference? Yeah, I think this team could definitely win 10 games and have a 20-win season. But are they capable of... Losing some games because of not good big men play, not rebounding the basketball, taking bad shots at times. Yes. Yes. So we'll see how they do. I'm very intrigued. I'm not holding this team so much high expectation thinking, oh, you have to win the league because they're not going to win the league. Houston's going to win the league. But this team is capable of winning 10 games in conference play. Well, even more. Hell, they might shock us. They might. So, David DeJulius, senior guard, leads the team in points worth 12.5 points per game. Victor Locken leads the team in rebounding, 5.2, per, 5.2 rebounds per game. Micah Adam Woods leads the team in assists, 3.6. And then junior Jeremiah Davenport, I think he's 12.5. 12.4 points per game. So, bigs have to be better. And the the Bearcats' first conference play, it's not an easy one. They play at 13 Houston next Tuesday, December 28th, 8 p.m. on ESPN2. Houston was in the Final Four last year. Houston has a good team this year with head coach Kelvin Sampson. It's going to be a great test for this team to see where they're at. I just hope they don't get blown out. <laughs> That's the thing I'm really afraid about in this game. 
they're gonna they're gonna play their asses off. This team is during conference play. The Bearcats will have to win games, winning the culture way, the Bearcats basketball way, rebounding, which I hope, defending, and just being the tougher team, because the Bearcats offense is. It's not really good. It really isn't. Especially their half-court offense. It's At times, it's very atrocious. And at times, they take some shots where I'm just like, what, 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 what was that? So, the Bearcats will have to win. And they need to have culture wins if they want to exceed their goal in American Athletic Conference play. So, Bearcat basketball, it's, it's heating up. As we end the conference play for both... Them and also the rest of the college football basketball landscape. Now, unfortunately, with the COVID nineteen cases going up recently, a lot of games have been postponed in college basketball, and a lot of teams have gone on to protocol and have to cancel all the games because they've been a big COVID nineteen outbreak. Unfortunately, with this new variant as well. So, knock on wood. Hopefully, the Bearcats basketball team stays healthy. And they can play as much as many games they can during conference play this season. All right, Bearcats football update. Can't forget about the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. We are exactly eight days away from the New Year's Eve college football semi-final game at the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic at Dallas, Texas. The four-seed Cincinnati Bearcats taking on the one-seed Alabama Crimson Tide. 3.30 on New Year's Eve. But, 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 like I said, we got that variant going on, that outbreak that is causing a lot of postponement in the NBA. The NHL is taking a pause for a couple of weeks. College basketball. Yeah. So, the college football playoff had their COVID-19 Omicron I, am, I, am I pronouncing that new variant right? I don't know. I don't give a fuck. That they, they came out with a policy release yesterday. You ready for this? It's, it's, a, it's a lengthy list. So, in the college football semis, okay? If one team is unavailable to play, so say that team has a COVID-19 outbreak, that team shall forfeit the game and its opponent would advance to the title game. So say if Alabama cannot play because of the outbreak, the Bearcats will be moving on to the title game. All right. Number two, if both teams are unavailable to play in one semifinal, the semifinal game will be declared no contest, and the team winning the other semi game will be declared the college football national champion. You're trying to tell me if UC and Alabama can't play because of an outbreak. So the winner of Michigan and Georgia wins the national championship. Man, I'm getting heartburns right now. Where are my damn tums? Okay, scenario number three. If three teams are unavailable to play, the semifinal game in which two teams are unable to play would be declared no contest. In the other semifinal game, the team unable to play shall forfeit the game and its opponent will be declared the college football national champion. So, say if you see 
Alabama, Georgia. They can't play. And the, and the only team left standing is the Michigan Wolverines. They're the national champions. Good Lord. <laughs> Scenario number four. This is a long one, so bear with me, okay? The college football national championship games, okay? So, if the team's unavailability is determined after the playoff semifinals have been conducted, the national championship game in Indianapolis may be rescheduled to no later than Friday, January 14th. If one team is able to play and the other is not, and the game cannot be rescheduled, or is rescheduled and it cannot be played, then the team unable to play shall forfeit the game and the other team shall be declared the college football national champion. If both teams are unable to play on either an original or rescheduled date, then the game shall be declared no contest and the college football national championship shall be vacated for the season. Lord have mercy, Jesus. So, if the Bearcats play the Georgia Bulldogs in the national title game, okay? Say if Georgia has an outbreak, then the Bearcats declare the national championship winner. But say both the Bearcats and the Bulldogs can't play because of an outbreak, there'll be no college football national championship team for the season. There'll be no, there'll be no winner. So this is this scares me. And it's gonna keep me up at night. So I hope that the Cincinnati Bearcats football team can get in the damn bubble for the next eight days. <clears throat> Don't even go out in Texas. You stay in that damn bubble. You get tested regularly every single day leading up to that game against Alabama. And you just hope for the best. And I don't want Alabama to catch an outbreak. I don't want that. I want to see this game happen. Period. Because I don't want people to be saying, Well, dude, Alabama did they had an outbreak, so you really didn't beat them because they had the fourth because of COVID-19. I don't want I don't want that shit. I don't want that shit. I want UC and Alabama to be healthy for this game. And also for Michigan and Georgia to be healthy. I think, knock on wood. If everything goes well, everything goes right, then I believe these two games will happen. But I'm not in control of that. So, this is going to be a long next eight days. Trying to wrap my head, you know, just thinking that the Cincinnati Bearcats are going to be playing in the college football playoff semifinal game. But also, they might not play it. Because of a potential outbreak. Oh, this is such, it'll be such a Cincinnati thing that happened if the Bearcats can't play because of fucking COVID. Like, there's a reason why this podcast is called the Depressed Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. This fan will be depressed. I will be, I won't be on Suicide Watch, but I will be so upset. Like, I think I probably will cry because I've waited this moment. For the last three weeks. And here comes the Omicron variant saying, ha fuck you. So hopefully Cincinnati, hopefully Georgia, hopefully Michigan, hopefully Alabama all stay healthy leading up to their games eight days from away. I really hope so. And for the other leagues, for the other sports, I hope that this outbreak going on 
let's just hope that it's happening. That get it all, get it all, get it all. You know, take just yeah, spread right now, and then hopefully this shit will just go away. This shit will just calm down because we don't need shutdowns. We don't need the league to be. We don't need leagues to be suspended for for a period of time. I don't. I don't, I don't need that shit in my life. You know, we, no, no, we don't want to go back to that. So. Oh, please, sports gods. Please, please, please. Please. I don't ask a lot. Well, I do when it comes to my teams, but please, please allow the Cincinnati Bearcats football team to play in the college football playoff semifinal game. That's all I'm asking for. And a shot to win the national championship. That's all I'm asking for. Okay? Okay. All right. So, to recap. So, we got the Bengals-Ravens Sunday, 1 p.m. on CBS. We got the Cincinnati Bearcats men's basketball team playing at Houston next Tuesday. That's on December 28th. That's the 8 p.m. tip-off on ESPN2. And then we got the Bearcats football team taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide New Year's Eve, 3.30 on ESPN. The college football playoff semifinal game, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic from Dallas, Texas. Let's hope that happens. All right, guys. Appreciate guys listening to this podcast, giving good feedback. It's much appreciated. I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas, all the good and laughs with your families. Stay healthy, okay? And next week's podcast will be going on. I will record that podcast on Thursday. And I will have my preview of UC and Alabama. Get ready for my prediction because right now I don't have no prediction. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll have a prediction on the game as we get closer to... I'll say by Wednesday, I will have a score on who's going to win. Well, people are probably going to be saying, well, you're probably going to pick UC. And I'm like, I didn't pick UC to beat Notre Dame. And look what that happened. UC beat Notre Dame pretty handily. So, yeah. Lots going on. It's been a crazy week. I just hope that... We all just stay healthy and we can get these games going and these games will be playing. So you guys stay healthy. Merry Christmas and I will see you next week. Peace.